Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Jennifer Cervello, the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Reading Strategies Book and The Writing Strategies Book. Oh, this is so cool. Our talk today is focused on her latest book, The Reading Strategies Book 2.0. What an awesome conversation. So much to learn. And then before you go, have you been to my website, stephenmaletto.com? You know, you can reach out to me by leaving a voice message there. You know, just click on the mic at the bottom of the page. Or uh, you could subscribe and follow my website. Or how about listen to all all my podcast episodes and listen to my free audio class on classroom management. Uh, and by the way, there's more to come of that soon. And uh, maybe read my blog or look at my uh, YouTube videos or so much more. Uh, what do you think? Could you stop by and maybe also leave a review? Hmm? That would be so awesome. Thanks for listening. All the best and enjoy the show. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Miletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Miletto. Jennifer Saravallo is the author of the New York Times bestseller, the Reading Strategies book, and the Writing Strategies book, which have been translated into Spanish, French, and Chinese. These and her other popular books and resources help teachers make goal-directed responsive strategy instruction, conferring, and small group work doable in every classroom. Her newest titles are the Reading Strategies book 2.0, Teaching Writing in Small Groups, A Teacher's Guide to Reading Conferences, Understanding Text and Readers, and the Assessment and Teaching Resource Complete Comprehension for Fiction and Nonfiction. Jen is a frequently invited speaker at national and regional conferences and travels throughout the U.S. and Canada to provide full-day workshops and to work with teachers and students in classrooms. She is also an experienced online educator who regularly offers live webinar series and full-day online workshops. Jen began her career in education as a New York City public school teacher. Now as a consultant, she has spent the last 15-plus years helping teachers across the country create literacy classrooms where students are joyfully engaged and the instruction is meaningful meaningfully and individualized to students' goals. Jen was also a member of Parents Magazine Board of Advisors for Education and Literacy. Jen holds a BA from Vassar College and an MA from Teachers College, where she has also taught graduate and undergraduate classes. Today, we're focused on her book, The Reading Strategies Book 2.0. Jennifer, glad to have you on the show. Say hi to everyone. Hi, listeners, and hi, Steve. Steve, you have a really great podcasting voice. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. This is. Uh, I see your Buzz Lightyear hanging from your microphone. Is he your um, inspiration for yes, your he, voice? Or he, no? Yeah. Well, in a way, yes. Uh, they, now I got a. I'm a big fan of Buzz Lightyear, and, uh, and to infinity and beyond, right? The, there you <laughs> yeah. go. There you go. And there's uh, there's nothing better than the Toy Story stuff where uh, you know where uh, Buzz and Woody are interacting, and uh, one of my all time favorite lines is. Uh, um, Buzz saying, looking at Woody and going, "You're mocking me, aren't you?" <laughs> yeah, that's like what, it's one of the <laughs> sort of the best lines um, ever. But uh, love the love the cartoons. So anyway, yeah, if you yeah. were to look around my office, you'd notice like there's, <laughs> there's a giant one behind me, and this and there's a bunch yep, all over this yep. place, and it it all actually has something to do with when I was a principal. But I can save those stories for another time. So, but uh, <laughs> good stuff. So yes. Um, to, to infinity and beyond. We're good. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's start with something that I read about you. I understand that you were a fourth grade teacher in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, one of the things that you've noted is that you were given the keys to the classroom and little else in terms of books, materials, or support. What was something that you learned from this experience that you'll always keep with you? 
Yeah, my my job in Brooklyn was my first teaching job fresh out of college. And I think it was eye opening to see how chronically underfunded public schools are and how teachers are often expected to pick up the pieces with their own time uh, and their money to make it work for their students. It should not be like this, but that was my first experience. Um, And my principal, who I went to for help, uh, after my really rocky first few months of my first year teaching, suggested that I take Valium and start smoking cigarettes to help me through my first year. As a principal, Steve, is that good advice? Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, so for no. lots, no, yeah, for for lots of my <laughs> colleagues out there who are principals or who are cringing right now, going, "What the heck was that all about?" Yeah. Um, So, I mean, you talk about no support and I just was floundering like so many first year teachers are. I luckily found a colleague down the hall, asked her to be my mentor. And that partnership with a colleague saved me. It really saved me. And I spent a few years at that school and then moved on to another school um, in Manhattan where there was much better support from leadership. Right, a real a principal with a real vision for the school who was a real instructional leader. I had colleagues that met with me every day at lunchtime to plan and look at student work and make ideas for next steps. I had a coach who was you know, a district funded coach who came into my classroom and helped me with whatever I wanted help with. And then we had outside consultants come in and model in our classrooms. And it was night and day, same population of kids, 100% free and reduced lunch, right? Title one schools lots of English language learners that the kids weren't any different. It was the amount of support. And so one thing that I will always take with me, and I think what fuels my work today is how critical ongoing professional learning and support is for teachers. Uh, So powerful. And, uh, you know, just, just a note, that's just crazy. Uh, Unless of course he had a thing with a pharmacist who got psych, you know, kick some money to him for getting those Valium. Uh, but uh, it's, um, but I mean, what a powerful lesson to learn and understand that we need all that help. I mean, it's, it's funny when one of my earliest, uh, I hate to see this, but say this, but it, I kind of think it runs in some types of zones or whatever. I I had a principal say to me uh, um, when uh, he was interviewing me for the job, he's, um, I pretty much had a feeling I was getting the job and, and uh he said something that made me go, I wonder if this is really a job I want to take. Because he said to me, I, you know, before you go, I just want to make sure that you stay away from the snake pit. Now, I was young. I mean, I'm like, you know, 23, yeah. 24 years old. And so what went through my mind is, they got a pit here that has rattlesnakes in it or something? I mean, just like, and... Uh, he, what was he talking about? Like uh, teacher's lounge? Yes, he clarified it he for me. Yeah. He must have, I must have had some look on my face... Fortunately, he said it before I said something stupid, and he said, uh, "He said I'm talking about the teachers' lounge. He says, that place is just a this a bed of uh, um, uh, this terrible nonsense and things." And he said, "Just stay away from the snake pit." And um, just well, to note, that gentleman w- was moved <laughs> at the end of the year. So, I, I mean, it just speaks to leadership, right? And yes. I think that's another big lesson from your experience and from mine that that good leaders make a really big difference, um, and you've got to you've got to support your teachers and you've got to respect your teachers and it's got to start there because that trickles down to the children, right? So much so, so much so. All right. So you created something called literacy strategies, consulting. Talk about why. 
Well, I mean, as I was mentioning, the the support I needed so desperately in the classroom and that I eventually received, it was just so critical. Um, and and to me staying in the in this profession at all. So it, not only my own experience, but research backs this up, right? High quality, ongoing professional development for teachers is one of the most effective ways to impact student achievement, right? So, but I guess when it's good, right? when it's good, <laughs> job embedded, ongoing, right? Practical, focused on teachers practice, direct, you know, aligned to the goals that teachers have for themselves and that leadership has for, for teachers. Um, and so the Literacy Strategies Consulting Group is really uh, just a group of my colleagues who've worked with me for many years. And when I got more requests to do professional development in schools than I could do myself, I started calling on colleagues of mine who know my work inside and out and who are just really great teachers of adults too, because that's really important. Um, and so we, yeah, we travel around the country. We go in classrooms with students. Um, I get to visit them on site in different classrooms around the country, uh, coach them, give feedback to the schools. Um, and we're really just there to provide the same kind of support I talk about in my books that we provide to readers and writers, goal-directed, strategy-based, really practical, really helpful. I do that as well. And my colleagues do that as well with, uh, with teachers and our professional learning. Love it. That's awesome. It, all right. So, you know, we're going to start talking about some of the stuff that uh, um, you support and uh, um, especially this book that is, is very recent. And uh, um, but before we do that, I mean, I've had the privilege of attending sessions where reading coaches are using your books. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I've, I'm kind of geeky right now because it's cool meeting you because they're, you know, I've had your book, been in classes, watched it being used and instructed. And, uh, um, you know, what's it like to know that your work is being used to help teachers help kids all over? It's honestly just an honor. Um, you know, the books I write are the books I wish I'd had when I first started teaching. They, this kind of book didn't exist and it would have been so helpful. And some of the books I write are books that I wish I had as I continue developing as a teacher to keep me, you know, curious and interested, engaged and learning, um, in an ongoing way. So, um, you know, I try to make my books immediately practical because I know how busy teachers are. Um, and I try to share ideas that I know work for children, not just because they're research based, but because I or my colleagues have used them with children many times over. So uh, it's honestly, it's just an honor to support teachers because they are doing the most important job. So supporting them in any way, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just an honor. Well, it's, it's so cool. So it's, uh, I mean, cause it's, it, it's, it, I mean, I can't basically go anywhere without uh, at some point having some conversation with somebody and they have your book. So I think it's neat or, or talking about some of your resources. So kudos there. Uh, so let's chat about some of the current trends in reading and the literacy landscape. What's going on out there? And, uh, and we're going to use this to lead us into talking about uh, your newest book. Well, one thing that's going on that we really need to not look away from is the trend to ban and challenge books. It is a real threat to literacy and to democracy. Um, you know, another trend of what's happening right now is that we have a big reckoning to make sure that we are improving literacy outcomes, especially leading the way with resources that are research-based. And I'm all for that, but we can't simultaneously say we want to improve literacy outcomes and we care about reading and then remove all the books from the shelves. Those two things don't go together very well, right? So 
Um, this, yeah, this, this research practice connection and the call to kind of align research and practice more closely is I think really important and really exciting. I actually started my own podcast to try to help with this too. It's called to the classroom and I interview researchers and then have post interview conversations with my colleagues and other teachers, administrators, coaches about what we can immediately try out because I think sometimes we're siloed, right? We've got the university professors conducting research. Sometimes it doesn't go beyond a journal or a, a conference for researchers. Um, and then we've got practitioners who are really doing research every day in a way, right? They're trying different lessons with children, seeing what, re, you know, what they respond to. And sometimes researchers need to hear from teachers. And I think sometimes teachers need to hear from researchers. Um, Actually, one of my guests on the podcast that I interviewed recently, Henry May, he leads this um, this institute to connect research and teacher practice. And he has all these ideas on, on different ways to do that, practical ideas for ways to do that. So I'm excited for people to hear that episode and, and try some of them out. So yeah, I'm all for this, you know, this call to really examine our practices, really examine what we're using in the classroom and make sure it's got a really strong research base. Very cool. And, you know, just a note, I've subscribed. I'm looking forward to listening to the first episode. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, Thank you. So that will be done today. And uh, it's uh, so cool. And uh, um, it's it's awesome that you're do, doing that and leading discussions as well, because uh, you make sure then as the podcast host that you can drive a, a talk where you'd like to like it to go, which is cool. So uh, um, and just, just another note, you know, one of the things that's, you know, kind of wild about all of this is that, yes, uh, you know, I can attest to... Uh, you know, having long time ago been a kid in a classroom where I'm pretty sure they there was no book with uh, hey here's some thoughts about how to do this thing called reading you know with the with the kids <laughs> and instead in, in instead uh, um, you know not to cut you know not to cut out the really good ones with the you know and loop them all together or something but the because um, there were those who did really great jobs and then there were those who uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, um, you know, there's, there's just some thought that it just happens. <laughs> we, we do whatever we do and, uh, you know, and they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if your experience growing up was anything like mine, but there was definitely, um, you know, a teaching of the text. Like we read a lot of stories and then we were asked questions at the end to prove that we'd read it, but there wasn't, I don't remember anyway, a lot of instruction into how to get ideas or how to understand or how to slow down your reading and really make sense of it or how to think critically about what the author's saying the, the, the how that's what this you know the reading strategies book the first edition and the second edition that's what it's about is equipping teachers with the language to tell kids how to give them steps procedures make the make the the work that we do as readers often invisible, right? Where as the teacher, we're proficient readers and we're able to infer and visualize and decode the words and read fluent, fluently. And it's happening in our brains and the kids can't see it. So we have to explain it to them in a way that they can understand so that they can try it too. That's, so that's what these strategies are. They're just step-by-step how-tos. Very cool. And that's, you know, that's something that, you know, I, came from parents who, who both read and made sure that we had more than our, our share of books constantly buying. And so I started reading at an early age, but one of my favorite memories, and this is where I'm going to go back to that uh, comment, uh, you know, the sarcastic comments between Buzz and Woody that we brought up earlier. You know, it's kind of funny because um, 
I'm not going to mention the name, but there was this box that was very popular that uh, um, they would use the box and you would go through and there was color coded and you would, you would. Um, yeah, I had that. Re- I remember it. <laughs> you would read certain things. Are you things. avoiding saying the name? I remember the name of it. Uh, yes, I was. I don't know <laughs> if I should say it or not, but it's just funny, but uh, it had three letters that were the initials. And, uh, um, but what, what you would yes. do is you would read the, the story and then you'd pull out the card and you would answer the questions, take the little test. And then, um, as the teacher graded it, you would move forward. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I, I love doing that cause I moved up into the high levels or whatever. And I'm not yeah. sure that I really knew that much about reading, but it was uh, cool advancing through the colors. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and, you know, some kids, you know, just give them a lot of text to read, whether it's cards, you know, with, with short text or books or and they just do you know, become better and better readers. But most kids need explicit instruction. Right. I think- it's some way along their way, whether it's to not just read for the plot and think more deeply about themes and symbolism and archetypes and or or it's kids who need more support with decoding or it's kids who need more support with with fluency. At some point along the way, a lot of kids are going to benefit from explicit teaching and that's really what strategies are about it's very cool so you know i i'm going to uh right now when when you ask me a question about buzz because i'm now going to have to tell you the story um because we're getting into areas that really fit because um and my kids would go oh you you asked him the wrong question he's going to he's going to have to talk about buzz um so i was looking when i was a principal i was looking for something to try and have the you know the kids and the and the staff and parents and understand a little bit about what we're trying to do. I, as a principal, I went to places to, to make change. All right. I, that's, I marketed myself as a change agent and we had to take care of stuff. And, and, uh, this, um, and, and so I'm looking for a way in which we can express this. That's not like, you know, the typical stuff, like thinking outside the box or, you know, what it, all those different trite phrases. And, and, uh, I was watching, uh, um, sitting there with my kids watching a, uh, video version of, uh, a videotape, version of uh, Toy Story 2. And uh, um, by the way, I'm extremely excited because even though we're not sponsored by uh, Pixar or anything like that, <laughs> there's a fifth one coming out. So, but uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there watching and this thing came up and I went and I rewound it, rewound it. My kids let it lost my mind. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's, that's cool. And so as a note, there's a scene in the second Toy Story. Have you seen it? Have you seen the second Yes. One? Ah, cool. So there's, so um, do you know, I know the toys, and the cartoon, it is a cartoon and they're not real. So before I step into this land here, but uh, um, so Buzz and all the toys are going to rescue Woody from the toy collector who's sending Woody to Japan and they have to go through his toy store. And on the way there, Buzz gets curious and he sees this huge aisle full of Buzz Lightyears. And as a result, he gets too close and a toy Buzz reaches out, grabs him, ties him up, throws him in the box and then joins the toys. And the other toys figured that there's something wrong with Buzz because suddenly he's starting to act like uh, he's forgotten that he's a toy and he thinks he's a space ranger. And so they go up in this elevator to try and go rescue Woody. And while they're in the in the elevator, um, he's realized he's struggling to climb up the wall. He's holding on to this rope that has the other toys. And um, he suddenly says, what am I doing? And he, he says to everybody, I'm going to let go of the wall. And they're like, no, don't do that. And he, goes, and he pushes the button on his belt that's supposed to make the, you know, him be able to fly. And he lets go of the wall and they fall, but the elevator saves him. And they, he thinks he's flying and they go up and they go rescue Woody. And my point is, is that, because where I'm getting with this is what I used to tell people is that whether we're parents, whether we're teachers, whether we're kids, we make excuses about why we can't do things. And those are like those elevator walls. If he would have held onto that elevator wall and said, this is why I can't. I, you know, I can't let go of this. Um, 
So what if Woody gets sent to Japan? We're, you know, I got to take my time going up instead by letting go um, of that wall and those excuses. We're able to work with people, and it's it's what you're talking about just kind of really fits with it. So sorry about the story, but the the point is is that it really fits well because I think you know the more strategies we understand we have because every oh, kids are different. I mean, they have different baggage and things like this, and and. So we, we get rid of those elevator walls <laughs> and uh, be able to go about uh, um, helping the kids move on and uh, progress and be able to find the love for being able to read. So, um, Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I told you, I taught in New York City public schools. The cap on class size in New York is 33, but sometimes they put a couple extras in there um, to waiting to have it be grieved and then eventually reduce the class size. So I had very large classes. That's the point. Many of my kids at IEPs had different intervention support. In addition to my classroom, many were English language learners. So they were learning English alongside learning how to read and write. And I had, you know, in in a third grade classroom, I probably had kids ranging from at the beginning of the year, like first grade level through fifth grade level, all in the same class. And sure, you might have a curriculum that gives you a scope and sequence aligned to standards for that particular grade level, but you've got to teach the kids in front of you. And when you when you are marching through curriculum, teaching kids retelling strategies, and meanwhile, some kids still need support with learning the words, you've got to address that need. Or you've got students who are, you know, been there, done that with retelling, and they're able to do higher level inference. You've got to challenge them too. So having the flexibility and the ability to meet kids where they are, have a toolbox. That's really what these books are. It's just a big toolbox of ideas, acknowledging that there's such a range in every class and kids are coming in with all different strengths, all different kinds of needs. um, And they deserve a teacher who can be responsive and teachers deserve materials that help them do that. Uh, So powerful. It it really is. And, and, and so this is going to make me ask you, I mean, because as you're talking about all this stuff, I I can hear the, you know, the, the wheels that were turning that made stuff happen. I mean, what was that original, you know, that thing that happened that's made you go, I got to write this book. The first edition of the reading strategies book. Yes. Back in like 2013. So back in 2013, there was nothing like this, right? There was no, um, huge book of different ideas and different strategies. And it was actually teachers who were asking for it. I just listen to teachers. This is what I always do. I listen to teachers. I hear what they need and I try to make it for them. So I would have all these experiences, you know, I told you I travel around I go and visit classrooms. I model teaching. I'll be modeling teaching and I'll have a, a situation where off the top of my head, I come up with a strategy and I teach the child. And afterwards the teacher, yeah, yeah, yeah the lesson was great, but where'd you get that strategy? <laughs> Isn't there a book of strategies? They kept asking me over and over again. It took me a little while before I was like, I think teachers need a book of strategies. There's also this amazing principle Her name's um, Gail Ryan. I worked within a school district in Pennsylvania. And at that time, I had just published a resource that had strategies in the back of the book, just as examples, maybe like a few dozen. And she said, Jen, this, she was pointing to the back of the book. This is what you need to make a whole book of just this. So it was teachers, it was principals. And so, yeah, all, all the, all the best work I do comes because teachers ask for it and I listen and I try to make it. I love. Um, and I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, um, I'm a avid home cook. I love cooking. And I don't know if you know this cookbook author, Mark Bittman. 
he has a bunch of books like how to cook everything, how to cook everything fast, how to cook everything vegetable, how to cook everything slow cooker. And they're not like literally everything, but they're big. They're big, comprehensive books. And so I actually often look to cookbooks for inspiration in terms of format and style and design of the book. So I was looking at his cookbook and I was like, that's what I think I'm going to do. It's like a how to teach everything kind of a book. It's not literally everything, obviously. It's not a curriculum. It's not a phonics program. It's not literally everything, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of good ideas all packed between two covers. That's awesome. I love that. And I love the fact that you, you have that inspiration of the, the, the cooking um, to make it, it work. Cause that's, uh, that, that's awesome. Cause that's just as a note, that's something I've never learned to do. And my, I had a father who was amazing in the kitchen and uh, um, I should have, paid a little more attention to what he was <laughs> doing, especially when he made these different sauces that he made. But uh, that's cool that uh, to know. I, that have a, I have strategies with that. If you want some strategies, I could help you. Like would... One strategy to improve your cooking is to subscribe to a meal kit service. So you could do like HelloFresh or Plated or there's a whole bunch out there. And the, the beauty of these is they're highly scaffolded. So you've got a, a recipe card and you have a picture of what it looks like done. And then you have six steps, always six, with a picture for each step and really clear directions. So if you can read, you can cook. Nice. It's really heavily scaffolded. So start with those kits and you'll be on your way in no time. Appreciate it. My kids are like going, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll still burn it. So <laughs> but, <laughs> no, you just watch it. Patience. Don't turn the heat up too high. Have patience. Watch it. <laughs> nice. You know what good food looks like cooked. So oh, just, yes. That's the, that's the end goal. That's the vision. Exactly. Yeah. See, I, you can do it. I believe in you. Uh, thank you. I'll have to try that. Uh, just as a note, my, um, let's see, I, I burned the pancakes twice. And so my kids will never let me cook pancakes again. Um, and, uh, you know, generally with uh, anything, I just basically say, you know, it's done the way I, I like it. So <laughs> we, just, we just go with that. That's how I meant it to turn out. And um, so my sons are better cooks than I am. I will have to give that a shot. So thank you so much. I like that too. Six pancakes. Steps. Yeah. Pancakes, medium heat, see some bubbles on the surface. It's time to flip. That's nice. your tip for pancakes. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'll be giving that a shot this weekend. So All right, good. good stuff. So, Great. so, uh, so just want to let everybody know, this is, uh, you forgot that you had tuned into the, uh, the cooking <laughs> show. <laughs> um, we've, so let's talk about, you've published now the reading strategies book 2.0. Um, so what's different and exciting about this book? 2.0 is means to me huge, huge, huge change. Not a second edition. It's a big, big revision from the first. I just, as a writer, love the chance to revise. Some people don't like it. I love it. I love the chance to see something you've written and with fresh eyes and try to make it better. Um, so going into this project, I had a bunch of ideas for improvement, things like aligning all the strategies to skill progressions. I had these skill progressions I published in 2018 as part of a book about conferring. Teachers love them. They're like, this is just so game changing for me to understand what I'm what I'm looking for within a goal. Love these. And so I wanted to align all the strategies to skill progression. So that was one idea. I knew it had been almost 10 years. I wanted to update all the children's literature and be really intentional about including a diverse, inclusive set of children's literature that I love, that my kids love. I knew I wanted to add more explicit links to research because I knew that's where we were going. I was making sure that everything was really research aligned. So just being more explicit about the research foundations. So all that I knew ahead of time going into it, I had big ideas for big changes. But then I have the most fantastic editor. Her name is Katie Ray. 
And she is my writing soulmate. She pushes me to really revision, really re-see, really rethink. She questions everything. Like sometimes we'd get on Zoom and we would debate about a single word for 45 minutes. I'm not even kidding. Like really, really everything. She pushes me and it makes me better and it makes the book better. So I'm so grateful to her. So just when I have a new idea, she helps me outgrow it. And because of her and our collaboration, um, even more changes happened. I ended up with about a hundred of the 300 strategies being totally brand new, another 150 so changed. You might not even recognize them from the first edition. Um, there's a chart on every page, just like when the first edition, but 200 of the 300 have been redone. Um, I had amazing illustrators, Meredy and Tiffany who helped me with that. I've completely rewritten the opening chapter, which is about 30 pages, and the starting few pages of every subsequent of the 13 other chapters. So that's another 100 brand new pages right there. Um, what else? Oh, <laughs> I got to work with a research assistant. His name's Gabriel Delavecchia. He's brilliant and worked so hard. And my partnership with him and his contributions far exceeded my initial idea about incorporating research. We ended up with more than 700 research citations across the book. Um, and links to research on every single page. Um, but I think it's really the skill progressions that teachers are most excited about, the teachers that are using the book every day, that the skill progressions just offer them this really easy way to see within a goal, what is the student doing now? What's the next step? And what strategies align to get me from this step to that step? So that's a long answer. Oh, it's a know, great it's answer. a lot though. of changes. It's a really new book. It's a 2.0. Very, very new. That's very cool because it's, it's not just the sequel or it's not just the, you know, it's uh, <laughs> not just that we changed a few things. And, you know, like in the current era, lots of people will suddenly have, they have a new edition out and it's because they added something about computers, you know, and I can see the newest yeah. thing, newest thing on the horizon is all about you know adding something about ai or something like that but uh no you've this is really cool and 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 so you've talked about this just a little bit i mean how, how do teachers use your book to streamline work and you know find solutions for those students i mean how, do, how does that work and i kind of kind of get the feeling that we might have, have a little more in common here with recipes again so tell me how that works it does. Yeah. Well, there's 300 strategies. Well, in the new edition, 303, I think in the book, and it's a big book, but it covers everything from engagement, motivation, understanding how to read the words accurately, fluency. There's a bunch of chapters on reading narrative text, like plot and setting character themes. There's chapters on expository text. There's chapter as a chapter on, um, on writing about reading, on having good conversations. There's a chapter to help kids pre-alphabetic before they're even reading the words to engage with the pictures and do comprehension work off the picture. So, so all this to say, there's a, it's very uh, broad in its, in its scope. So I needed ways to make the navigation super easy. So the first navigation system is in the chapters. So think of a cookbook. You've got your how to cook everything. He's got a chapter on cooking fish, a chapter on cooking chicken, a chapter on cooking beef, right? So I've got a chapter on engagement, a chapter on accuracy, a chapter on fluency. So that's the macro organization. Then within each chapter, we've got a skill progression. And that kind of moves from more simple to more complex. So for example, in the fluency chapter, from reading word by word to reading more smoothly and scooping up many words to reading with expression to um, using other indicators like um, emphasis, like bold and italics, right? So it gets progressively more sophisticated as kids encounter more complex text features in the books they're reading and as they grow in their skill. 
So you think, okay, this is a child who needs help with fluency. Let me look at the skill progression and they function like an if then chart. So you look at the left-hand side, if the student needs this, then I'm going to teach that. So a recipe analogy, maybe like within the chicken ch chapter, you know, if I have a lot of time, I might do these recipes. If I don't have a lot of time, I might do those. Or if I happen to have these other ingredients on hand, these are the recipes for me. If not, right. So you're kind of sorting from within, you know, you're, you know, you're cooking chicken, you know, I'm helping fluency, but within that exactly what am I working on? Um, and then each page has a really um, consistent structure. And that's designed to help teachers be able to flip and browse really quickly. So it's a strategy, which are those steps. The how-to is on the top of the page. Lesson language, which is like a paragraph of me explaining how I'd explain it to children, using some of those mentor texts that I told you I swapped out. Some teaching tips, little tips from the research on modifications for language learners, for students with autism, right? Things like, like that. There's a research link on every page that tells you the research citation that connects to the strategy, a chart on every page that you can use with your class, prompts on every page that help you coach and guide readers as they practice. So that repeated structure, it really helps teachers kind of just flip through and quickly find what they're looking for. So step one is to find the goal. Step two, use the progression. Step three, browse the strategies and then teach. Rinse, repeat. Go back to the skill progression. Check and see how they're doing. Monitor their progress. Choose the next one. Love it. This is awesome. This is, and you know, just as a note, you know, I've, um, when I've been in uh, these reading sessions where the strategist is working with teachers using your works and uh, um, they love this stuff. So it's cool because you're providing them you know, just like you were saying, whether it's the recipe or the rinse and repeat or the, it's, it, it's, you know, what they've not had. And uh, so thank you and kudos to you because that's, uh, it's, thank you. it's very powerful because when you're got those ideas, I mean, if we go back to you as a fourth grade teacher, I mean, one of the things you needed was somebody to, to help you with some of those ideas about how to do things and then to, to right. share that support and doing it. And um, unlike that principal's suggestions, <laughs> <laughs> right you're providing much much more useful <laughs> tools and resources so awesome stuff exactly um, cool. thank you i you know what uh i gotta ask this because you got all this stuff you got going on if you had a chance to be a closing speaker not the opening all right the closing so the the one that the one that everybody's gonna leave with some thoughts in their mind hopefully about what you're talking about and and if you do a really great job that means that they are le leaving with some thoughts in their mind i mean these are teachers that are getting ready to start the new school year. What would be something that you would want them to remember from your talk? Mm. Well, most of all, I'd want them to be able to do whatever I was talking about. So I'm not really great at those kinds of super motivational speeches where you're like, oh, I feel so inspired. And then you don't actually have a single idea of what you're going to do next. My, my talks are always very action-oriented, probably you're sensing a theme here, right? My books are about strategies. This is the stuff you do. And my Love talks it. are about the stuff you do, right? So I want teachers. And again, I think it's what I wanted as a teacher. What do I do? How do I solve this problem? How do I reach this child? How do I explain this concept? How? And so that's really what I try to do is give teachers the how. I think a, a theme in a lot of my talks, if that's what you're talking about, is about the importance of really getting to know kids as individuals and, you know, you've got plenty of supports probably to help you with the class and the standards. But I really want to try to equip teachers to, with practical ways, to see the individual, notice what they need, and have an individual plan 
for everybody in the classroom. And then of course, make that really manageable. So it's not overwhelming for the teacher. So that's a feedback I get from a lot of teachers is that's just very action oriented, very doable, and very powerful and impactful for student achievement. That is awesome. And uh, that would be um, just right, right there with your books too. Cause that, uh, you know, the idea that they can do as a result. And one of the things I like about your works is that it's easy to read, it's easy to understand and easy to put into practice. So um, awesome stuff. I, and I appreciate talking about that. Uh, you know, we're getting close to finishing up. I got a couple of questions I want to ask you that I ask all my guests. Uh, but before we do that, if someone wanted to learn more or someone wanted to engage you to, to try and come to be that closing speaker for whatever, or to, <laughs> to, to learn more about getting uh, um, to do more with the, the reading strategies book uh, 2.0. I mean, uh, where would you send them? What would they do? So one place to go is my website. It's my name, jennifercerevalo.com. And you can find out there how to invite me or one of my colleagues to speak or offer professional learning for your school. You can find out more about any of my books and resources, how to contact me. There's a whole page of free resources there that you can check out. Um, my new podcast that I talked about, I have a page now for the To the Classroom podcast. You can see who my guests are going to be and listen to the latest episode. I've got a blog with full transcripts of all the podcast episodes. And um, my team is going to be doing some additional blogging as follow-ups with other ideas and tips to practically take from the research conversation to the classroom. So there's a ton there. And I have a Facebook community. It's called the Literacy Strategies Facebook Community. Uh, Instagram, I'm at Jennifer Saravallo. Twitter, I'm at Jay Saravallo. So any of those places, website, social media, um, very accessible. And I love talking to teachers. So please reach out. That's so cool. And I have all that information in my show notes, which makes it so much easier to just, uh, especially if you listen to it on a phone and you just go in there and go to the show notes and click and boom. They're there at the website or, or on social Perfect. media. Thank you. You're welcome. So, all right. So last two questions I want to ask you, Jen, and, and the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? And this doesn't oh, involve gosh. getting value. I don't ever like want to quit. It's actually like a problem that I never want to quit. Like to the point where people who love me in my life say, can you take a break? You want to slow down? Like even during the pandemic, right? We're at the beginning of the pandemic. Remember how scary those days were? right? We thought the mailman was bringing the plague to our house and we were holed up in our homes. And I was even afraid to ride my bikes outside with the kids. I thought it was like flying around in the, you know what I mean? And oh, yeah. um, I had my kids home. They were young at the time, first grade and fourth grade, no, first, first and fifth, um, trying to do online school. Everyone's stressed. And what do I do? I hop on Facebook and I start communicating with teachers. What do you need? What can I make for you? Let's have some conversations with, with uh, other educators. Let's problem solve this together. Um, so I don't know. I just have endless energy right now. I think I'll know when it's time to quit, but it's definitely not time right now. Very cool. Very cool. So good stuff. I had a last question I got for you, Jen. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Well, I have so many teachers that I would love to thank. I love this question. And, you know, I've lost touch with all of them. So maybe if any of them are listening, reach out to me. I'd love to reconnect. Um, I think the teachers that stand out in my mind are ones who connected with me saw me and really had high expectations for me. Um, like Mr. Hill in second grade, who 
was the first teacher I remember really creating space for student voice and ownership in our own learning. Mrs. Marvulo in Catholic school, she's a short Italian woman that made us like diagram sentences on the board <laughs> and memorize, you know, uh, who wrote the Raven? Um, you talk about oh Poe? Oh my gosh, Poe. Yeah. Edgar Allan Poe. Made us memorize like Edgar Allan Poe poems, but I can remember his name. Sorry, Mrs. Marbolo. But, but she had super high expectations for the quality of the work we turned in, the rigor that she put in that classroom. Probably a lot of my work ethic and detail-orientedness comes from her. Uh, Mr. Cantor, my high school drama teacher, helped me fall in love with theater. Mr. Vyeth, my high school visual arts teacher, who ran the best workshop-style classroom ever. He would lift us up with specific compliments, give us clear strategies to help us. Um, a professor in college, uh, Dr. Janae Morrow, a psychology professor, who took the time to tell me my writing was terrible and <laughs> spent time in office hours helping me make it better. And look, I'm a writer today, right? So it's the teachers who saw me, held me to high standards, um, that I think I just remember most fondly. And so I'm grateful to all of them. Thanks for asking that question. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for the great answer. That's so cool. And uh, um, and what's nice is that uh, you have a, a, a lot, which is really cool. So uh, yeah, and I, and I like that. So thank you so much for sharing. You know, uh, Jen, it was awesome talking with you today. Thanks so much for sharing your book, The Reading Strategies, book 2.0. What an awesome focus you have. I wish you the best in all you do. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.